0: of your favorite song Uh, you may love many things about it and that's true but whatever jumps to your mind about why why you love this song undoubtedly the melody speaks to you in some way appeals to you in some way or other and and melodies as melodies are important though because they they actually do teach us something about our life with god first a, a properly melodic tune has to have good order, right? Even when we praise God with music, we see our point from recent weeks that God is the God of order. Notes that are not rightly ordered will not be pleasing. Now, and that's because God is the God that he is and has made music as it is. Now, secondly, though, uh, and more directly as we think, about our passage today, a properly ordered melody needs a satisfying resolution. It has to end the right way, right? With the with the best set of notes. Your favorite song would not be your favorite song, or anyone's uh, for that matter, if uh, the last note went up instead of down. Melodies must rightly resolve and so too the melody of our properly ordered life with god needs the right resolution we ought to be carried upon the right notes of reflecting the character of god who who made us to represent him but the last note of the harmony between the original, the creator, and the image, the creature, needs to resolve in the restful communion in worship. And so our main point today is that God consecrated His day of restful worship to show that His image bearers were made for everlasting communion with Him. God consecrated his day of restful worship to show that his image bearers were made for everlasting communion with him. Now, okay, we're going we're going to think about that in three points. Okay, the the Sabbath principle, the Sabbath problem, and the Sabbath promise. So, first, the Sabbath principle. Now, okay, most of us here have at least one person whom we love and enjoy. I hope you have more, but I'm assuming you have at least one. Uh, When it comes to that person or those people, few of us feel as though uh, we need to find reasons to justify spending time with them. So when I say that I'm looking forward to a day with just Sarah, actually no one has asked me yet why. And I don't need any higher good than time with her, since that time itself is the goal of working toward a day off. And people know that time with their most cherished people is the goal. If you suggest that you spend time with someone and they say, Well, to do what? Well, you know there's a problem (laughs) there in that relationship. And that probably unquestioned principle of, of the simple good of time together shows how we are meant for community as an inherent good thing. Being together is itself good. And as we learn from part part of the closer look at humanity's uh, creation in Genesis 2.18, God says that it is not good that the man should be alone. Right? And after God created male and female, his image, creation then was very good, but man alone was not. Humanity was made for community made for communion fellowship is the end, the goal in itself and right. so as we've thought about Genesis one over the last few weeks right the the narrative pushes us to to see god 's purposes in creation and and as this account Develops. we see that day and night are meant to govern the human patterns of work and rest. The land and the sea form distinct habitats for land and sea creatures. And the sun and moon serve to mark the progression of time. And that, that purpose, to monitor the changing of time, is important to mark creation's culmination in the Sabbath. In that regard, humanity was created, uh, as we saw last week, with the purpose that we who are made in God's image would represent and reflect him within creation. And just like when you look in the mirror expecting to see the image look like you rather than the green elephant, right? So too, God made humanity so that we refract his goodness within the world. And God also made us so that we should not be alone, but that we would be in community As the people of God. But we can't can't leave it there. There is a, a specific, certain communion for which we are properly and ultimately ordered. Which is communion in restful worship with our God. God made humanity in his image, not only to refract his goodness in creation, but also so that we might join him in his rest. The image was not meant to be disconnected from the original. But meant to go forth as God's representative and to return for restful communion in worship. We're made for that. In other words, the image, you, were made for the original God. And you were meant to be the recipient of everlasting, lasting, blessed communion with our God. So as the creation narrative progresses and, and as that progress shows, God's intention for a properly ordered create, uh, creation has one high point, one high point, of the creation of of humanity as God's image to represent Him in the world. But the full culmination of God's very purposes for making the world is the consecration of the Sabbath as time marked for the restful communion and worship between God and His image bearers. The Sabbath principle is that we were made for this communion in restful worship. And the Sabbath precept was built into, embedded into creation. That brings us to our, our second point, the Sabbath problem. Okay. Right. So, so far, I, I try to outline uh, the theology that undergirds the value of the Sabbath as the appointed restful communion and worship between God and His image bearers. That's what I was after in the first point. And the progression of the creation narrative emphasizes the Sabbath rest is the high point, the culmination of God's purposes in making the universe and making humanity. And this point looks more practically at how we think about the use of the Sabbath. As Hebrews 4 9 says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, which says the Sabbath itself has abiding relevance for Christians. Now, surprisingly, I think surprisingly, uh, that is a contentious claim today for evangelicals. Uh, many have set aside the Lord's Day either because they feel that Christians are no longer responsible uh, for the principle of one day and seven for worship or because they feel they do not need or have interest in the ordinary structures of Lord's Day observance. You know, f- the, the first thing, uh, right? not feeling responsible, uh, the claim that, that Christians are no longer responsible to observe the the Lord's day uh, became prominent actually uh, because of um yeah because of the baptist emphasis on discontinuity between old and new testaments and and baptist theology is the loudest or most known uh within evangelicalism um so whereas we believe that the things that are particular specific to the covenant that God made with Israel at Sinai have been fulfilled or, or expired, Baptists, to, to defend their view of baptism, tend to widen that to, to most Old Testament principles. But if, if we want to appeal to, to creation for issues like marriage, we should accept that the Sabbath is also a creation principle. The moral law is ever-binding, even upon those who are saved, so that it would guide us in our walk with God. The Sabbath principle is stamped onto God's creation purposes and is even creation's culmination. You You don't set aside the actual end point. And so, we cannot discard it. The argument that that God made marriage between man and woman is accurate and is an appeal to nature, creation. Yet, nature, as the Bible describes it, also declares that we were made for communion with God in worship one day in seven. On the other hand, and I think that this one... Is, so that, that's to explain... That's, a, that's an attempt to explain the, the sort of widespread uh, disregard even within evangelicalism. But I, I think the second thing is probably more dangerous uh, in a Reformed church. So for people like us... So, so the, there is the notion that the Lord's Day has optional relevance. Okay, Evangelicals tend tend to flatten uh, life so that every day is equally worship. And church fills the batteries for general life worship. So then, in that line of thinking, if the battery feels full, no need for church today. If also my battery feels filled more by walking outside than by going to church, I'll just do that. Ironically, the things that tend to replace church usually justified as, you know, well, that's my worship encounter uh, for filling our batteries are usually our hobbies. I just meet God more when I ride my horse or watch the football match or play on my iPad more than I meet God at church. No, you don't. You just like those things. Right? They don't unsettle the soil that cradles the roots of your sin. And so they are comfortable. Those things let us wallow in the swamp of our wickedness without being confronted with the reality of the living God. And we thought repeatedly about how our our sin has clipped the wires of our hearts from the way that we should be ordered And and reattaches those wires so that the electrical currents of our soul power wickedness rather than worship. And so too here, we need to remember that when we begrudgingly drag ourselves to worship, we've forgotten our properly ordered purpose, the reason we exist. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Still, that, that does not mean that the Sabbath was made for us so that we might use it any old way that sounds fun. That's, the, the Sabbath was made for man so that opportunity to commune with our God in the way that He intended for us from the beginning. I realize that this is perhaps most especially difficult uh, for our young people, our kids. Partially, uh, right? That's that's because it's harder to pay attention for as long. I get that. That's an aspect, but the default complaint, usually in my experience, and I'm not, and I'm not talking about isolated here, and perhaps not even most pointedly in our congregation. But the default complaint I've heard is that church is boring. And young people, right, I want, so could you listen to me for just a second? the, The truth is not that church is boring, but perhaps that you've not yet grown into it. Okay, Video games and cartoons are not actually exciting. They are good at distracting us. And we love to be distracted. That's easier. right? But it turns us into human marshmallows. Something's there, but there's no substance. You see, instead of being formed people that have nutrition and substance. I hope you hear that. And we can think on our side as as adults and, and as parents, even though it's easy to indulge that complaint, well, maybe it's boring, but just try to do it anyway. No, no, I plead with you. Please don't do that. Please. Don't do that. I mean, in, in my work with youth, In the past, my experience is that young people actually can digest worship very well and and learn quickly to appreciate it if that is expected of them. If parents thought worship was boring, watch, those kids did too, yes. If parents thought it was best to skip church for football, kids learned and preferred that. Pretty quickly, too. But, but we don't take that approach with anything else. Right? No one thinks that, that if we don't make our kids eat vegetables rather than dessert for 18 years, a switch flips when they go to university so that they just love vegetables now. <laughs> That's never how it works. And we don't assume that it does, or hope that it does, with anything else besides worship. I had to be taught to love vegetables. We need to train our kids to love what is good for them, which foremost includes worshiping God. I mean, it's as simple at times as asking kids questions about worship. If young people see that we care. And are interested and pay attention. They learn that. right? We look, for some odd reason, we look for worship to achieve something else. right? Maybe we expect it to equip us to go change the world, or maybe we just expect it to entertain us. Either way, communing with God becomes a tool rather than a goal. But God and time with God is the goal. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God and our encounters with the living God as He has promised to meet us must be the vision of our lives. The problem, the Sabbath problem, Is that we pretend that we were made for something other than this communion in restful worship. Brings us to our last point. The Sabbath promise. Right, so we we considered how the Sabbath indicates that we are made uh, for communion with God and we thought about some obstacles. For that too. And just like Adam preferred the offer of forbidden fruit over everlasting blessed communion with God, so too we prefer this world to that communion through participation in the Lord's day. And this point highlights the promise of the Lord's day that reshapes our priorities for it. So did you notice as as we read uh, the the Genesis narrative, did did you notice that uh, the seventh day doesn 't end? Have you caught that before there, there's no refrain of morning and evening there's a reason for that, which is that God finished his work and so entered. Unending rest. God's entrance into that rest prepares that rest, the unending, blessed rest for us too. If Adam had fulfilled the law, passed his probation with the tree, he would have joined God in that unending Restful communion. Hebrews 4 tells us that, as we'll see in just a second. But, but, Adam sinned, which blocked our way to joining God in His rest. We considered already how, how that creation principle means that the Sabbath is still a precept for us, but we also need to see how the Sabbath is also a promise even for us in salvation. So right, the fourth commandment about uh, honor the Sabbath, uh, as it is recorded in Exodus 20 verse 11, grounds the Sabbath in God's work of creation as a pattern for humanity. So the reason that this command exists uh, according to Exodus is that God made the world to be this way. But in Deuteronomy, As the fourth commandment is recorded in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, it is grounded in God's delivering Israel from Egyptian slavery. Which I think is fascinating. Uh, but, But far from being contradictory, competing, or even contrasting points, the Bible simply shows us that God orders humanity toward restful communion with him in worship by creation and by redemption. God created us for communion with Him, and He has redeemed us for communion with Him too. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see the the ongoing significance of God's rest. It doesn't end. God entered his rest, and it's there for you to enter too. The trouble is that although God finished his work and entered rest, sinners cannot even begin our work. We're disabled morally. Spiritually, We cannot do the good that we were made to do. We have spit in our Maker's face and put boulders in the pathway that He made for us to join Him in everlasting communion. We cannot enter our rest by our works. And so, we have to join God in the promised rest By someone else's works. Hebrews 4.14 Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Jesus has done the work required to obtain rest, and has repaved the pathway that we destroyed. He has thrown open the doors to heaven. If only we would walk through them by taking hold of our Savior in faith. If we cast ourselves upon Him, His death pays for our sin, and His resurrection is the pledge of our everlasting life. In His grace, God not only grants us access to restful communion with Him as we gather on His day, right now, but He also even uses that very communion toward which we were ordered to reorder us In our very hearts. By the Spirit's power. Through the Lord's day's ordinary means of grace. God rewires. Our poorly wired hearts. So that we can once again. Cherish our time in God's presence. Rather than longing for the things of this world. we live in a world that is so massively disordered. And I don't even think I have to spell that out. And the the central crisis of our day is about identity. Every single thing around us is screaming for you to define yourself by it. Whether it be your job, money, relationships, the brands we use, whatever it is. And that is why it is such a a rich blessing that we get to set the world aside today and get to abstain, yes, from pursuing our work since we cannot earn our Sabbath rest by them, but also get to abstain from all our commercial endeavors also as a way that we unload ourselves from the entirety of the common kingdom because, because, We cannot, we cannot find our identity in our politics, our purchases, or even our own personalities. But only in that God has called us into being as his image bearers who are made for communion with him. The promise of restful communion with God in worship is the last piece of the human puzzle. The picture of our lives finally makes sense when viewed in light of the regular encounter we have with our God on the day that He is appointed. the melody of human existence resolves as we find ourselves in the throne room of our God welcomed by Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we of all creatures were made to fix our eyes on the heavens, to lift our heads above the mere dirt and to look to the horizon so that we would see the changing of days and know that the seventh means we are promised everlasting communion with you. Adam rejected that promise, but Christ has earned it back for his people. And we pray that that all-encompassing desire to fulfill our end of glorifying and enjoying the living God would leave us captivated as we endure in your presence to praise you and to hear the promises that are secure for us because of Christ Jesus. We so Easily, for various reasons that are all beyond sanity, deceive ourselves into thinking that what we do on this day is a burden rather than an opportunity, is difficult rather than a blessing. But what better thing could we hope? Than as right here, right now, we could be in your presence according to the way that you've promised to meet us. We pray that this small taste of restful communion and worship would resonate within our hearts and teach us that the rightly ordered human life resolves on the note of this moment. And help that to point us forward that we too might strive to enter the rest that you have entered because you finished your work and secured everlasting rest. And we who believe are united to that promise by faith. Help that to fuel everything we do, not as if this is the launching pad to go do something greater, but that as we trudge through the week, we know that there is hope ahead that we come back here to meet our God. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen.